Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I don't know the first thing about investing my money, and it is all so overwhelming, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I love that Acorns makes it so easy and how you don't need a lot of money to get started. So head to acorns.com creepers or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com creepers. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC, Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I have something to tell you. Pop culture related. What? Okay. Last night, we watched a movie. Jumanji. New, old, one, two, Robin Williams or The Rock? There's a Jumanji 1 and 2, or you just mean like Jumanji and then Jumanji with the Rock? There are two Jumanjis with the Rock. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking about Robin Williams OG here. What a great movie. I know, but here's my concern, or my question. Yes. Why is anyone trying to play this board game? There's nothing fun about the game. Well, they were curious, and once you start playing, Mogab, you can't stop. I know. Or wow. the lions stay there. In the jungle, you must wait till the dice roll five or eight. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Hey, before we get to the episode, I got to tell you something important. Yes. We have a Patreon. Hey, we <laughs> have a Patreon, which makes us like almost famous, like semi-famous. So close to being almost famous. Adjacent. Famous adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I want a t-shirt that says true crime creepers on the front and then famous, famous adjacent. adjacent on the back. 
I'm not kidding. Please make that. We're already scheduling when to record our bonus episode for September. Bonus. Bonus. But right now on the Patreon, we've got four awesome mini creeps for you there. We've got uh, MoGab's Instagram, her white woman's <laughs> Instagram video. You guys have got to see it. It's, it's a gem. Yeah. And every month we're going to have a full-length bonus episode. That is at every level. $5 level gets you the full-length bonus episode. And a shout-out on the podcast. The $7 level gets you all of that plus the mini creeps. And then the $10 level gets you all of that plus 10% off merch. And they all just get you our undying love and devotion. And some of them, so I don't get it wrong, get you a card and a decal. <gasps> Coming to the mail, 7 and $10 level, right? Exactly. You got it. I do want to add, if you're not peeps and creeps, make sure you're listening to the episode all the way through. Because there's some gems at the end every once in a while, especially these shout outs. You're going to want to hear them. You're, so. you're really going to want to hear the shout out. I mean... Yeah. I didn't think they would be as entertaining as they are. <laughs> but, you know, we're famous adjacent. So famous this is y'all's time to shine. I, that's going to be on the back of a t-shirt. Famous adjacent. Yeah. Yeah, I want that. Yes. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. All right. I know you have something to tell me tonight. Today, Mogab, I am telling you the wild story of the disappearance of Angela Green. Yeah. Okay. Don't even try and lick my toes like everything's fine now. <laughs> it's not. It was not addressed to me for the people that are listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> uh, that was for chowder. I'm not um, trying to lick your toes down here. All right. Before we get into this episode, a big thank you to an episode of Dateline, season 29, episode 11, called Hope Whispers. As well as an article in HuffPost by Melissa Jeltson and three episodes from season two of the podcast, Voices for Justice. Ooh. Also, disclaimer, this is an unsolved case and all parties being discussed are innocent until proven guilty. And even then, sometimes they are still innocent. So let's go. This sounds real fun. Oh, yeah. 
Angela Green was 51 when she disappeared in 2019. That was, this is another one from like yesterday. Mm-hmm. These are hard. She was born Shin He and grew up in Tianjin, which is a huge city in northern China with a population today of over 15 million people. That's impossible. I know. I think of Houston as being so huge, and it's got like 6 million people. It's also like four times the size of Houston, which is a giant city. When Angela was in her early 20s, her parents' friend set her up with a guy named Jeff Green. And it's Jeff with a G, so you decide how you feel about that. Oh, Geoff. What that tells you about him. Yes, Geoff. I've got feelings about Geoffs. Yeah. He was a divorced car salesman and mechanic from Kansas who says he was visiting China for work. I'm still trying to figure out what work he was doing, but. Angela had never been married, but she felt like she was ready to start a family. Jeff and Angela met up at the Hard Rock Cafe in Beijing, which is about like an hour and a half away from Tianjin, for their first date. And soon after, Jeff went back to Kansas, but the two continued to write letters back and forth. Angela could speak English, but she wasn't very confident in it. And I think sometimes she struggled like fully expressing herself in English, but she could read and write fluently. And through their letters, they were able to get to know each other a little better. No disrespect to Kansas. I've got mad love for the Midwest since I've moved from Texas, but is going on a first date to Hard Rock Cafe not like the most Chili's or Outback Steakhouse thing that you've <laughs> that you've heard? I'm just like dying. Like, did she get a t-shirt also <laughs> when she left? I guarantee you, if I was Jeff and I'm going on a date with a Chinese woman in China, you better believe we're gonna eat Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. Angela's older sister, Catherine who had actually moved to Kansas about 10 years earlier, she said that Jeff and Angela were really flirty in these early days. Within a year of meeting Jeff, Angela decided to make the move as well, and she came to Kansas to be with Jeff. And they got married. This is like an episode of 90 Day Fiance, and I love it. I love it when they come over and... Okay, which is why I'm wondering a couple of things. It makes me... Okay, so... It was Angela's very first time in the States, and I'm just not sure how much of a coincidence it is that Angela's older sister also happened to live in Kansas, but it does kind of make me think that maybe Angela and Jeff really didn't meet through some friend of her parents, and I'd be really interested to know what kind of business a car salesman had in China at that time, because I couldn't find any details about it, but... A car salesman from Kansas in China. Yeah. Again, you may want to cut this, but there was an episode of 90 Day Fiance where I didn't know this, but some countries have like a lottery where you can win. You'll have to look it up because there was this episode. Don't tell me you win a woman. No, but you win a chance to come to the United States. And so this girl from Finland won and came over and then her sister met someone to come over. And so then the sisters ended up living together. And I was like, "Mm." that sounds like a good plan, though. Yeah, I know. Good job, Finland sisters. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's only some countries. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're welcoming all the Finnish people. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really easy to doubt a lot of the stories that Jeff tells because he doesn't seem to ever be completely forthcoming with the truth. For example, when he met Angela, he wasn't totally honest about the fact that he was 13 years older than her. 
And also his family in the States were pretty shocked when Angela showed up. He had a teenage daughter who had no idea that he was dating someone seriously enough to get married until Angela showed up in Kansas. But Jeff and Angela moved into a ranch-style house in Prairie Village, which is a quiet, well-planned community right outside Kansas City, Missouri, where Jeff worked. And because it's a little relevant later on, for those unfamiliar with Midwest geography, Kansas City actually spans two states. There's Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas, but both are the same metropolitan area, which I did not understand until last year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they get very heated about, like, differentiating if they're Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas. Really? Yes. For the first few years in Kansas, Angela had her sister Catherine nearby, and the two families would spend a lot of time together. They would celebrate holidays together. But then Catherine and her family moved to New York. And the move put a lot of distance in their relationship, and the two sisters became busy with their own lives, and they would really only speak intermittently. Angela stayed home while Jeff worked, and she filled her days working around the house. She cooked, she cleaned, and she loved to garden. She would work in her garden in the rain, in the shine. Even in the dead of winter, she'd be out there doing all the shoveling. Oh, sis, no. You don't have to do that. She really took care of the house, which is where she spent most of her time. And then their lives completely changed with the birth of their daughter, Ellie. Both Jeff and Angela were crazy about Ellie, but Angela stayed home with her while Jeff worked, and the two of them grew incredibly close. Angela was a very warm and nurturing mother. She was also very strict. Ellie wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers or parties or date. She didn't have a phone until she was a senior in high school. Girl, she got a pager, though? (laughs) No pager either. And Ellie's days were scheduled with school, piano lessons, and homework. Those piano lessons. Oh, yeah. Angela absolutely loved being a mom. Her whole world revolved around Ellie's well-being and her academics, and she was super extra about it. (gasps) Like, she wouldn't just make Ellie's clothes. She would hand sew the individual beads on the dresses. And she'd leave the most adorable notes in her lunchbox. I mean, these notes, like I read somewhere that she would leave her notes in her lunchbox. And then I watched a TikTok because she's on TikTok. And she showed the notes that her mother would leave her. And these notes were like cut out in the shape of a squirrel on colored paper. And then in the tail would be a note from the point of view of the squirrel, like telling her to have a great day and stuff. I mean, just adorable. There's glitter involved. There were flowers and birds. Goodness. I mean, just adorable. Also, I know this is happening with, and I don't know how, what happens in this story, but I'm assuming that in some way this Ellie is like a victim. And then having them on TikTok, like, that's become Mm -hmm. such a, people are sharing stories and, like, stuff is getting out, like, through TikTok and the true crime world. It's really fascinating to me. Yeah. There's more than just dancing teenagers, you guys. It's really great. It'll (laughs) just be a time suck, you know? Be prepared. Yeah. Bama Rush TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie described her relationship with her mother as best friends and confidants. And because of Angela, Ellie now speaks four languages was valedictorian of her high school, and graduated with a 4.0 with an international baccalaureate degree. Plus, she's, like, super pretty. (laughs) I know. (laughs) God, four languages. Like, way to get ahead in the world. You can do anything, girl. You're unstoppable. 
I don't even know what they all were. I know it's uh, English and Mandarin are two. I'm assuming mm-hmm. Italian is a third because she did a study abroad in Italy, but it was only a month, so may or may not be. I have no idea what the fourth one is. Hmm. Angela didn't have many friends in the neighborhood, despite being a really friendly person. She knew everyone's name on the street, and she'd always say hello if they walked by while she was in her garden. But she rarely invited anyone over, and if they wanted to organize a play date, she'd have to get Jeff's approval first. One neighbor, the mother of a friend of Ellie's in elementary school, described Angela this way. She was tall and beautiful and soft-spoken and honestly a little intimidating. I'm a normal Midwest mom, sweatpants and bedhead, hoping to get the kids to school on time, and Angela was always put together. She made life look effortless. I want someone to say that about me one day. And nobody's saying that about me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, same. Angela was the type to make sure her hair and makeup were done before she went to work in the garden. No, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the neighbors said they seemed so happy together, but some of them said they couldn't really understand the connection between Angela and Jeff. And it's almost impossible to get a full picture of any relationship unless you're in it. But Ellie said there came a time where her parents seemed more like business partners than romantic partners. They slept in different bedrooms. They never kissed in front of her. And despite their relationship lasting decades, there was still somewhat of a language barrier between them. And this caused a lot of tension. From what I understand, because originally they kind of made it seem like Angela really didn't speak any English and Jeff didn't speak any Mandarin. And you're just like, okay, how did they like have this relationship for forever? It's Mm -hmm. not that Angela couldn't speak English. She could. But miscommunication and misinterpretation were very common between Jeff and Angela. I don't think she could really express herself as well as she would like in that language. And so Ellie, who did speak fluent Mandarin and English, she often found herself in the role of mediator, basically translating for her parents. It was clear to Ellie that Angela was very dependent on Jeff. Don't let me paint this picture of Jeff because I feel like I kind of am right now. At this point in time, he was a very loving father. He, like, it wasn't this, like, controlling situation. Yeah. It just sounds like a transactional a little bit. Like, she knew her duties in the house. He knew his duties. They loved Ellie, but they just kind of were like, I don't know, not going through the motions, but, like, they kind of, you know. Yeah. not this, like, overly, like, connection, romantic connection. Yeah. And you, yeah, Which you can totally be uncommon. right. Mm -hmm. But it was clear to Ellie that Angela was very dependent on Jeff. She was scared to drive, and she didn't like to go out without a translator in case she needed one. So either Jeff or Ellie would handle most of the interactions with other people when they went out, and Angela very rarely left the house alone. She had to ask Jeff for money if she needed to buy something. She didn't use a credit card or a debit card ever, and she was always very careful with money. Most of their food was made from scratch. Ellie says she thought they were mostly a fairly normal, happy family, but she didn't really spend a lot of time around other families, so she couldn't recognize things that maybe would have stood out to others as not so normal. That's probably why Ellie's so beautiful. She's not eating any processed bullshit. <sighs> You're probably food. right. She I feel does like I have skin, right? I mean, I can't skin. Google image yes. her yet. And hair. Okay. You can, okay. Ellie Green. You can Google image her. Ellie Green and Angela Green. You can go- And Jeff. I mean, you can Google all of them. She kind of looks like Britney Spears. She does kind of when she's got the blonde hair. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Keep telling me. All right. In the fall of 2018, Ellie headed off to the University of Kansas. 
The campus was less than an hour away, but Angela had a really hard time with Ellie leaving. Empty nest syndrome seemed to hit her hard, and I can imagine when 18 years of your life are solely dedicated to pouring all of your energy into this one person and then they leave, how tough that could be. Ellie had been her entire world. And she started to show a lot of signs of a possible mental health condition, perhaps depression or anxiety. She lost a lot of weight. She had a hard time sleeping. She even started hoarding items. It only got worse for her as Ellie started living her own life and becoming more independent. She got a boyfriend, Zach, a job. She even went to Italy to study abroad for a month the summer after her freshman year. Ellie was enjoying her newfound freedom, and she had no idea how much Angela was hurting. Until one day, they got in a huge fight. Oh. Also, who studies abroad after their freshman year? I feel like that's intense. I know, and it was also only one month, so it seems like a special, like, mini-program, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was June 20th, 2019, and Ellie had just gotten back from her month in Italy. She was back home at her parents' house for the summer. Angela was having a really hard time reconciling the fact that Ellie was now an adult. She wasn't sure what their relationship was supposed to look like now, and she was dealing with feelings of rejection because of Ellie's new independence. And these feelings seemed to come to a boiling point, and Angela just finally exploded, yelling at Ellie and saying if she didn't need her anymore, she could find somewhere else to sleep. She followed her outside to her car, yelling at her and threw flowers at her. It was the worst fight they'd ever had, but it didn't seem like anything that wouldn't just blow over in a few days. Sure. Ellie didn't know that she would never see or speak to her mother again. No. Why did I know you were going to say that? Why did I hate everything about it? I know. That is such a difficult phase, and I can't imagine being so close with your mom, like, Because these are things I'm sure you remember, like, coming home from school. Mm -hmm. And even though we weren't doing anything, like, that different, I remember having to say where I was going or, like, be home by a certain time. And I'm like, I'm, you know, three and a half hours away. Yeah. You know, I mean, even when I come home now, you know, 34, Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, I'm a thousand miles away normally. You have no idea where I'm going ever. Yeah, You know, and it's just like, it always is like that. So like in my family's not overly close or protective, you know? There's like this transition period because I feel like now when they say, where are you going? It's not in maybe your situation, but it's not usually in like an asking for permission way. It's just in a courtesy, like like, this is where I'm going to be. Right. Whereas when you are 18, 19, and that's like a transition period where you You have been away on your own, making your own decisions and choices. Your parents have no idea how late you're staying out or who you're with or where you're going. Mm -hmm. And then when you come home, you're like, I'm going to my friends. Can I go to my friends? It's like that. That's weird. I'm letting you know, but I'm also asking for permission because you're my mom and that's what I'm used to doing, you know? Yeah. So it is. It's a weird time. The other night, this is funny, Russell and I were talking about how we feel very much in this just like. We're obviously like adults and not like young 20 adults. Like we've been adulting for a while, but there will be times where we're like, we could leave right now and like, it'll be like one in the morning and we're like, we could go right now and like get ice cream and like no (laughs) one could tell us no. Do you ever do it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. Because I was like, that's a thrill. Like you got to sometimes just go. My grandma would talk about, she would like lay in bed. She was just the cutest, like funniest person, but. 
She would like lay in bed like she'd be in her pajamas. She'd like be under the covers. And then she'd just think of fudge. And she wouldn't be able to stop <laughs> thinking about fudge until she got out and got dressed and went and got go. some fudge. I mean, it's so funny that I sometimes know. you're just like, can you imagine like, or we'll say like, I can't believe we live together. Like we share a <laughs> room together. Like what? It's just so funny. Yeah. I think about like my age, I'm 35, and mm-hmm. I think about like what I thought about 35, like when I was yeah, younger or like characters on TV shows that are mm-hmm. 35. And I'm like, wow. So funny. But it feels weird. Ellie went to stay with her boyfriend, Zach, at his parents' house, and she was hurt and angry, but she figured they both just needed time to calm down and cool off, and she was certain that she'd be back home and cooking dinner with her mom again within a couple of days. She fully expected an apology from her mother any day, but three days went by, and she didn't hear anything from her. (gasps) And this is the point in the story where things get strange, and it's really hard to know what to believe. It started when Ellie got a really weird text from her dad, Jeff. It had been three days since that fight with her mom, and he said that she could come home now because Angela had been taken to a psychiatric hospital and wouldn't be back for a while. What? Yeah. He said he'd gotten increasingly worried about Angela's mental health, and so he'd coordinated with a hospital to take Angela. They met in a grocery store parking lot in broad daylight, And he basically set her up to be ambushed and taken forcefully to the hospital. He said there was a struggle. (laughs) Okay, wait. You wouldn't call your daughter first. And I'm going to be pissed if you're trying to ambush me for an intervention in a Kroger parking lot. No kidding. Well, he said he decided to do it in public so that she wouldn't be embarrassed if they came to the house and like she wasn't dressed or if the house wasn't tidy. So he decided to do it when they were out. So she'd be dressed (laughs) and have her makeup on and everything. Doing it in public seems way less embarrassing. Yeah. Good move. Ellie was shocked. She knew her mom could be emotional and temperamental and that her anxiety had increased since Ellie had gone away to college. She'd been worried that maybe her mom was suffering from depression or some other mental health condition. And she'd encouraged Angela to go see a psychiatrist, but nothing that would require committing her to a facility. She couldn't understand it. Immediately, she started thinking about what she needed to do. How would she get her mom the clothes that she would need? Was she being taken care of? And most importantly, when could she go see her? So she starts asking her dad all these questions, but she didn't get any answers. When she asked where the hospital was that her mom had been taken to, Jeff said it was somewhere down south, but he wouldn't tell her where. Uh, why? (laughs) Right. Why? When Ellie asked if she could visit her, Jeff said Angela wasn't ready to see anyone and he wouldn't let Ellie go see her for her own personal safety. He asked her to come to the house and sort through Angela's stuff (gasps) and texted her, I'd like to talk about the good things mom did. What? When do you like get together with your family to talk about the good things somebody did? Never, first of all. (laughs) That's never a table topic at a meal, unfortunately, you know? Yeah, it's also like generally after they've died. Yeah, that's called a eulogy. Let's talk about like the good memories that we had, you know? Like after my grandma died, me and my dad and my dad's cousin got together at her condo to kind of go through her stuff and like 
we talked about her the whole time and talked about all these good yeah. memories that we had and what a great person she was. Just kind of chit-chatting, not like a formal eulogy, but just yeah. like, t- like it was just cathartic to talk about the good stuff. But like she's not dead, according to Jeff. She's in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, I'm not buying that, though. Yeah, so it left Ellie feeling unsettled, and she started to wonder if Angela was ever going to come home. Ellie was at her boyfriend Zach's parents' house this whole time while she's dealing with this news, and his mother, Sarah, was really concerned. So she texted Jeff to see if maybe she could arrange a visit with Angela, but Jeff just brushed her off. Ellie tried to deal with her anxiety over this whole situation by distracting herself. She got a job at Union Station in Kansas City. She spent time with her boyfriend. But weeks passed without hearing from her mother at all. And Ellie was so worried. On July 16th, nearly a month since that fight between Angela and Ellie, she got even worse news. Jeff came by Zach's house late that night after 10, saying he had something he really needed to talk to her about. He said he'd been at work when he got a call from the psychiatric hospital. Staff had checked on her the night before and she'd been fine, but when they checked on her that morning, she was unresponsive. Jeff told Ellie Angela had had a stroke and she was dead. I'm sorry, is Jeff in prison? Because if not, (laughs) I'm flipping every table, dresser, and nightstand in this damn room. He is not. Is he in prison? That is your opinion. (laughs) In my opinion, you're wasting my damn time (laughs) because... Yeah, he's not. So what? We're all just hanging out like we don't know what happened. Is that what we're doing here? That's what we're doing. And he didn't say <laughs> this episode is rotten on rotten tomatoes. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, yeah. And he didn't say your mom. He said Angela. Oh. Yeah. Ellie once again was in complete shock. That's just insane language. Mm-hmm. And that is. She didn't know what to say. She didn't know what to think. She had so many questions about what happened. Nothing made any sense. And worst of all, Jeff refused to give her any satisfying answers. God, this is so... I can't imagine, like, you don't want to also be losing your dad, but you got to feel like he's shady as all get out, you know? But you also are trying to, like, hold on to some parent, you know? Yeah, I think that's exactly Ellie's situation here. And also remember, she's like 19, maybe 18. I mean, she's she's young. Yeah. Zach's family all hugged Ellie as Jeff left her there and drove away. Zach helped Ellie inside and she collapsed on the couch just sobbing. Sarah, Zach's mom, said that you could tell that Jeff really loved Ellie and that he was very worried about her. But... It seems odd to me that he loves her so much, but he leaves her there and he doesn't give her any information. It was Zach's family, the Krauses, that spent the night comforting Ellie. The next day, the Krauses invited Jeff over for lunch. They wanted to gather up as many concrete details as they could about what happened, but it ended up just being a really awkward lunch. Jeff wasn't forthcoming with any answers. He even said he wasn't sure of the name of the hospital where Angela had died. The Krauses were trying to be respectful. They didn't know how he grieved and they didn't want to step on his toes. But they were also really concerned about Ellie. And this whole thing just seemed incredibly bizarre. Yeah. To make things even more suspicious, Jeff said he didn't want a funeral 
or any kind of memorial service, robbing Ellie of an, oh. um, of an important step in the grieving process and the opportunity to come to terms with what happened to her mother and face the reality of her death. He also told Ellie not to tell Angela's family about her death. I'm sorry. He said he'd tell them, but he wasn't up to it just yet. Oh, Ellie, girl, you, oh, you got to do something. I know. But she's like 18. She's a, she's a wee babe. She's a wee babe. Just trying to like figure out what the hell to do. And she felt very confused and very alone. And she couldn't stop thinking about her mom, how selfless and committed and loving she'd been, how she'd sewed her costumes for school plays and she would leave those notes in her lunchbox. She'd been very demanding, but so, so loving. And their last interaction had been the worst fight of their entire relationship. Mm, I can't imagine that. The weeks until she went back to school passed by in a blur. She continued to stay with Zach's family, and she communicated with her dad over text. A couple of times a month, they'd get together for a meal, but Ellie kept asking him the most basic questions, and he couldn't answer them. He continually shut her down. At first, Ellie figured this was just his way of coping with the grief and that he'd come around and give her the answers that she needed eventually. But she was starting to feel so alone. This is the wildest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Jeff had always been the quiet parent, spending most of his free time tinkering with his vintage cars in the garage. So when he asked her for space to grieve, she wanted to be understanding. She wanted to give it to him. At this point, all he'd been her whole life had been a loving father. She had no reason not to trust him or believe his story. And like you thought earlier, she was also terrified that if she kept asking him questions, she'd lose him too. And she didn't want to lose both her parents. But she was exhausted and confused, and she's living in this constant state of anxiety. Eventually, Ellie went back to school at the University of Kansas, just like Angela would have wanted her to. She was still dealing with her grief, and she was still alone in it. She had no one to share it with. Her mom's family still hadn't been told. Jeff kept telling her he wasn't ready to tell them. But by February, seven months had passed. I'm sorry, yeah. What? Seven months. Seven months. And Ellie knew it wasn't right to keep it from them any longer. So she finally picked up the phone to call her mom's older sister, her Aunt Catherine. Catherine Guo had moved to Long Island from Kansas long ago, and she and Angela weren't particularly close, not for any terrible reason, simply that they'd both built separate lives in different states. Catherine had called Angela at least once since July to see if she was coming to an upcoming family wedding in Virginia, but Angela never called her back, and Catherine was starting to think she was being a bit rude. Mm -hmm. So when Ellie finally called her on February 13th, 2020, she was pleasantly surprised to hear from her. Oh, my gosh. I can't get over how, like, this was, like, a year ago. I know. Like, I just pulled up Ellie's Instagram, which is, like, not private, and I fell down a very beautiful mm -hmm. rabbit hole. I know. She's so pretty. She's, like, still in school. Like, this was literally just a year ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she just <sighs> okay. graduated high school in 2018, so... I can't get over this. She's like maybe 21. How did you hear about this? I heard about it on a podcast. Probably Let's Go to Court, yeah. I think, covered it. And then it's been popping up on my TikTok lately. Ellie wants to spread the word. And there was that episode of Dateline, so I watched that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
So when Ellie finally called her Aunt Catherine on February 13th, 2020, she was pleasantly surprised to hear from her. But then she heard her crying. Catherine was trying to keep up with what Ellie was telling her, but she couldn't understand. She was able to get that Angela had died, and her mind started racing between shock and sadness and logistics. She started thinking about funeral arrangements. Ellie kept repeating that it had happened on the 16th, on the 16th. And Catherine asked her, how could she have died on the 16th? It's only the 13th of the month. And Ellie said, no, the 16th of July. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Catherine couldn't believe it. How could they not have called and informed her for seven months that her sister yeah. was dead? Ellie explained that she wasn't allowed. She thought it had been her father's own strange way of grieving and she didn't want to overstep her boundaries, but she knew it had gone on way too long. And the dad doesn't know that this phone call is being made. No, not yet. Once Catherine got off the phone with Ellie, she called her two daughters. One was a doctor and one was a lawyer. And none of them were buying Jeff's story. Yeah. The lawyer, Michelle, was seven years older than Ellie and living in New York City. She barely knew her younger cousin, but she called her and she pushed her for details. Ellie told her the story of Angela being ambushed in a grocery store parking lot and being forced into a mental institution against her will. And this story brought up so many red flags for Michelle. First off, this entire scenario is completely impossible. They would have needed some sort of court order or approval from a judge to involuntarily commit someone. These things go through the courts. You can't just snatch someone off the street and keep them against their will. And certainly hospital staff isn't going to ambush a mentally ill person in a grocery store parking lot and forcefully take them. Yeah, that gives me anxiety, and I'm I'm good, you yeah. know? It will never happen. It doesn't happen. That sounds like a scene yeah. out of a movie that might happen right. in a movie. You know, you got the guys in the white shirt yeah. and the white pants. In a van. And they- yeah, in a van. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapping, you know. Right. Yeah. And, the, like, I mean, in public, nobody notices, like, these people. Right. Like- and I feel like a place that was, like, actually – going to commit someone court there would have been some conversation of like saying goodbye to your family or like informing your daughter like i don't know yeah no it's the biggest bunch of ball loaning <laughs> in my opinion in my opinion no it actually is we do know that that story at least <laughs> is baloney 
Then the story of Angela dying of a stroke. (laughs) There was no history of strokes in their family. And Angela was only 51, which sounds a lot younger when you're 35. I know. None of it was adding up. Michelle asked Ellie what hospital Angela had been at. And Ellie said she didn't know. Her dad wouldn't tell her. Yeah, that is, hello, Red Flag City. Hello. And honestly, I didn't think about this until the last time I read it when I was telling it to you. But if I had been Ellie and my dad told me that my mom had been in a mental institution and wouldn't tell me where and wouldn't allow me to go visit her, and then three weeks later, four weeks later, she dies, and you didn't let me go see her when we just had a fight, and that's the last time I see my mom, I would not be able to ever forgive. I don't think I'd be able to forgive him. Ever. Yeah. I can't for robbing wait. me of that. I need to know how their relationship is. Even if that whole thing was true. Even if that whole yeah. story was oh, true. for sure. Like, uh, all right. Anyways. Michelle asked Ellie if they'd had a funeral. And Ellie said no. Her dad didn't want one. And then Michelle asked if she'd seen the death certificate. And mm-hmm. Ellie said she had no idea if there was a death certificate. She didn't even really know what a death certificate was. So Michelle explained that there had to be a record of Angela's death at the state capitol. I think at this point, they both knew something was very, very wrong with Jeff's story. Ellie did text Jeff and ask about the death certificate, and he said he had a copy at the house and he'd text her a photo of it, but he never did. So the very next day, Ellie cut class to drive to Topeka, the capital of Kansas, To visit the vital statistics office there and request a copy of her mother's death certificate, where if she had died in a hospital, there would be a death certificate. Even when you don't die in a hospital, your body is taken and, you know, the coroner does an autopsy and there's a death certificate. Right. I just mean, like, if there was, like... Yeah, if if his story checked out. Right. If she had died in any way that wasn't, like, murder and she's buried somewhere, there is a record of your death. The person helping her spent a long time trying to find the death certificate. They found her marriage certificate, but they said there was no record of her death in the state of Kansas. Ellie knew that was not good. Something was so, so wrong. Do you think the clerk is like, uh, is there anything you want to tell me? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like you obviously know something we don't have on file here. Well, and they spent a long time looking for this death certificate i could you imagine being the clerk somebody comes in saying i like a copy of my mother's death certificate and then he's like there's no record of her death so ellie needs answers she can't find the death certificate she needs answers from her dad so she met up with him the next day and cornered him in the kitchen you go girl Mm -hmm. and she asked him where angela died like what state did she die in and he said kansas And she said, nope, I just went to Topeka and they have no record of her death in this state. And she said his face like contorted. And he said, well, maybe it was Missouri. Because remember, they live close to the Kansas-Missouri border. He told Ellie he'd have to look into it. That was the last time she ever saw her father in person. (gasps) That was 2020, February. February 2020. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Michelle, the lawyer cousin in New York, she's not waiting on Jeff for answers. She looked at the information they'd been given. Angela had supposedly died seven months before. She'd been in a mental institution, but no one knew where she'd died, and there was no death certificate. So Michelle said, I'm calling the police. Mm -hmm. 
So she called the police in Prairie Village and asked for a welfare check on Angela Green because they hadn't had contact with her in so long. So patrol officers responded, and when they got to the residence, they were obviously unable to speak with Angela. They started asking around, canvassing the neighborhood, and they couldn't find anyone who said they'd seen her recently. Even though Angela didn't really hang out with the people in the neighborhood, her neighbors would always see her out working in her garden, like every single day. And they told police that it was really odd that they hadn't seen her out there, and the garden hadn't really been kept up with. Angela would have never allowed it. They spoke with Jeff, the police, and you're not going to believe what he told them. Are you ready for this? No. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> no story about a psychiatric hospital or a stroke. He said that Angela couldn't talk to them right then because she was away for the weekend. <gasps> She'd taken oh, off with some friends. And he's not in prison. And this is... <laughs> Seven so, months after she's disappeared, but she's just away for the weekend with some friends. Did they not think that, like, Ellie's going to... Okay, okay, come on. I don't think he was expecting this welfare check because he wasn't expecting Ellie to tell the family and call it on him. Yeah. So the police then called Ellie to see if she knew where her mother was. And Ellie told them as far as she knew, her mother was dead. She was said, I was led to believe that my mother had died. Michelle and Ellie were in complete disbelief that Jeff had lied like that. The flags were getting so red, they were practically black. And Ellie went to... <laughs> did you like that line? I came mm -hmm. up with that. Came up with that all by myself. And Ellie went to the police station and filed a missing persons report. Which, what do you have to do to do that? You, I mean, you just go? Yeah, you go and you say this person is missing and you file a report. Yeah. Coincidentally, while she was there at the station filing the report, her dad called. Called her? Called her. Mm -hmm. Okay. She put it on speakerphone so all the police standing around could hear. And what he had to say was even more strange. Oh, good. He said he had no idea what was going on. He'd been thinking this whole time she'd had a stroke and died at the hospital. But when Ellie told him there was no death certificate, now he's thinking... Maybe there's a chance she's still alive. Well, where was she? You're the one that apparently set up this hospital stay. Yeah. And I think this is the moment that Jeff's stories stopped confusing Ellie. And she just started seeing them for the lies that they were, in my opinion. In your opinion. In my opinion. And basically, what is the other opinion? There can't be another side. Is there another side to this? Like there are others or is it just his side? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. But his side has defense attorneys, so. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hey, be we sued. Do not. <laughs> it's overrated. <laughs> she asked him about the story about the people taking Angela from a parking lot. And Jeff told her that he'd said that because he didn't want her to think that she'd run off with some stranger or something. So Ellie said she just wanted the truth. It was too stressful and it wasn't fair. She told him not to give her any more fabrications, not to protect her, but just to tell her the truth. So Jeff said, the truth is, she just disappeared of her own free will. Maybe she ran off with somebody or met somebody and is living a new life. Jeff, she didn't even like going out by herself to get groceries or to go to the store or to, like, she didn't have anybody else. I think you knew her better than Jeff, apparently. Ellie knew that wasn't true, too. She'd be running off without her phone. She, her phone was at the house, her passport, her driver's license, and her daughter. 
Her car had been left behind at home, and Angela never used a credit card or a debit card. She didn't go shopping on her own. She hardly ever left the house without Jeff or Ellie going with her. Ellie tells Jeff how Angela was obsessed with her. She'd basically devoted her life to Ellie, and it was ridiculous to think that she'd leave her and all of her identification and money behind and choose to leave. Yeah. And never, like, reach out. Not even like, hey, I ran off to get away from Jeff or to get away from whatever, and I'm here, and come with me, or let me call you. I mean, nothing. Like, right. no way. And when she's having this conversation, and by the way, there comes a time we'll we'll talk about it. Ellie starts recording all of these phone calls with her dad, and they play a lot of the original audio on both on Michelle's uh, TikTok and on the Voices for Justice episodes. So if you want to hear the original audio, you can. But when they're having this conversation, Ellie's like, this is ridiculous. She was obsessed with me. Like, she was obsessed with me. She wouldn't just leave. And Jeff said, well, not there at the end. She wasn't. And Ellie's like, yes, she was. Like, she just steamrolls over that. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Yeah, she not, she not, not. Yeah. So Jeff said after she went missing, you know, of her own free will, maybe she met somebody, ran off with somebody. He apparently doesn't care where she is and isn't like, you know. Yeah, you're not like worried worried. if she ran off with someone. After she went missing, he got a call from someone saying she'd been admitted to a hospital. And so he. A call from someone? Who? Yeah, someone at this hospital. Mm. And a few weeks after that, he got a call saying that she died. But he said he didn't get any information about what hospital it was or who was calling because he was so busy at work. So he, quote, didn't worry about it. He said, you know, it's our busiest time of year. Oh, my God. I can't. I know you can see my face, but I can't. The words aren't (laughs) for me. Someone's called to tell you that your wife died Mm -hmm. and you're too busy. Right. to bother additional notes mm-hmm. or to ask like, questions or to get any information about that. Right. Then he said he got a call from someone that was going to come by the house and pick up money for the cremation. So he's not even like, I would like to see the body. I would like to like. I'd like to do anything. I don't even believe that a character on a TV show has died if I don't see the body. <laughs> Well, that's something we should probably unpack later as like a, you know, we should talk through that. But yeah. Much less like my mom. So he went and got an urn and they picked it up and the money in cash and then dropped the urn back with her ashes supposedly in it. Dropped it back where? At the house. They came by the house and picked it up with the cash for the cremation. And then they dropped it back off. Jeff is the most hands-off in this situation I've ever heard of. Like, Yeah, he said this was all arranged by phone. Like, you don't even do that for, like, an animal. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, Right. What? But he couldn't tell Ellie who had called him to tell him that Angela mm-hmm. was dead or who had dropped off the urn. And recently, after Ellie told him about how there was no death certificate and he started thinking about how Angela might still be alive, He decided to open the urn and he saw that it was empty. So now he's like, OMG, maybe she's alive. 
But, but, this is making me so angry. Yeah, and this is all in that phone call that the police are listening in on. Hearing Jeff's explanation and all of his changing stories, like everyone else, they had so many questions and they wanted to talk to Jeff. Yeah, same. Why? I am confused on how he's not been at least arrested and questioned. For what? Well, apparently he organized her going to a hospital and now she's missing. No, he lied about that because he didn't want Ellie to know that she maybe just ran off with this friend or stranger. She just disappeared of her own free will, leaving behind her phone and But that's what I'm saying. Can't we we question him? Because that seems shady. Well, Jeff did not want to talk to them. So I don't care what he when wants. police arrived, he handed them his lawyer's card and said any questions can go through him. Boo. So police wouldn't get his side of the story. And this is just a PSA to people. Get a lawyer. <laughs> Even Jeff's not <laughs> in prison because he has one. <laughs> God. God. So police wouldn't get his side of the story, but they had other leads, like the fact that they'd done a nationwide search at this point for any official record of Angela's death, and there was no record anywhere, in any state, in the entire country. They checked hospitals, travel records, they're checking Amtrak, they're checking flights, they're checking buses. They even checked traffic camera video. But they'd lost precious time in this investigation. It was now eight months on from the last time anyone had seen Angela. And a lot of evidence can disappear in eight months. Like, was she even driving? Like, did she even have a license in a car? She had a driver's license and she had a car, but she didn't like to drive. She was scared of driving. She was scared of driving on the highway. Yeah, sounds like someone that really took off. Yeah, and Jeff disagreed with Ellie about the scared to drive. Like, he's like, she wasn't scared of driving. And Ellie's like, yeah, she was. And he's like, no, I wouldn't say she's scared of driving. But I think her and Ellie could communicate a lot easier because they spoke Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. that there were just things about her that Jeff didn't know because yeah. he didn't speak that language. And because she's sharing different stuff. Like it doesn't sound like yeah. they had a super open relationship. Yeah. Two forensic teams descended on storage facilities where Jeff kept his vintage cars. And then they also searched the house. They cordoned it off with police tape, and this was the first time any of the neighbors realized anything was even wrong. They'd seen Jeff for the past eight months, and it seemed like everything was great, so they didn't really know where Angela was, but they didn't think anything was wrong. There were about 10 police cars at the house the day of the search, and there were officers digging in the backyard. They brought cadaver dogs with them. Nope. Don't Google it. Don't do it. You'll find more cadaver than dog. Than dog. They combed a wooded area and a pond, but they didn't find anything. And Jeff still wasn't talking to investigators. His story about Angela being away for the weekend was obviously a lie to them, but even the rest of his story was so wild and had so many holes. Ellie had asked him how much money he'd given for the cremation, and he said, quote, It wasn't much. It was $1,500, which is about right for a cremation. I Googled it. I Googled what does a cremation cost in Kansas City? And the number that popped up on Google was $15.95. It's literally like he Googled how much it costs. Yeah. And Ellie didn't believe that he would have parted with that money without looking more into it, asking a few more questions. She said he could be pretty stingy with his money. At one point, Ellie tells her dad that he taught her to be skeptical. And he says, yeah, I did. 
And I cannot see a world where someone who teaches their daughter to be a critical thinker and to be skeptical of things and to question things would not question some phone call about his wife dying. Like, you don't want to see a body? But he sticks to this story that all of this happened. The only thing that didn't actually happen in his original story was the ambush at the grocery store. But why? I'm really struggling through this story. I need all the peeps and creeps to know, like, my facials are, (laughs) but the words are not coming. Like, what? This is the wildest, like, I don't understand how you just, like, make something up and think people are going to believe you with no, like, I saw no body. I saw no, like. And you couldn't come up with something better, like. I mean, like, I'm asking more questions when my leftovers in the fridge go missing. Do you know what I mean? Like, someone ate my shit, and you're telling me that, like, a person in your life is gone, and you've got no follow-up questions. You don't even know what hospital she died at, or she supposedly died at, but you're paying $1,500 to have her cremated? And who are you paying that to? I mean, none of this. Why would you allow somebody to cremate your wife's body when, like, why wouldn't you want an autopsy on a strange death? She died of a stroke. She's 51. That's a strange death. Why would you allow a cremation and then pay for it? Yeah, I mean, obviously that did not happen. Like, it's just so, I mean, it's obvious. But he sticks to the story. He sticks that all of this happened. The only Is that his story today? Like, today, August 2021, that's his story? Yeah, he has other, like, ideas mm. about what could have happened because today – I mean, he doesn't seem concerned either way. Like, he doesn't seem tore up that she ran away, if that's really what happened. She doesn't, he doesn't seem concerned. No, and we'll get into how he feels, too. Oh, good. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Like, the only thing that didn't actually happen in his original story was the ambush at the grocery store. In one call with Ellie, he suggested that Angela might have faked her own death to make him feel bad. What? Yeah. And Ellie had options here. You know, she could have gone on living her life, not asking questions. It would have been so much easier, but she couldn't. So she decided she'd start her own investigation of her father. She thought, if he's not going to talk to the police, maybe he'll talk to me. And the most perplexing thing of all of this was how uninterested Jeff seemed to be in finding his wife. He said, I don't know where to look or what to look for. You're stating that as if I'm going to go out and walk up and down the streets and knock on doors and look for her. And no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yes. That is what should happen when someone goes missing. Yes. Why would you not do that? I mean, at least print a flyer out and post it on the light post. I mean, I do that when my cat runs off every six months, you know, like, You're not even doing a flyer? Or maybe file a missing persons report with the police when she goes yeah. missing because you know she's not at some hospital. She went missing. Even looking at his story, it was like she went missing and then four days later he gets this phone call. So she's still missing for four days and you're not telling Ellie, you're not calling the police, you're not doing anything? This is the stuff that I could have done without in our friendship. Like, you know, <laughs> the stories are really upsetting when there's a murder and it's like case closed. That's sad and it keeps me up at night. But the rage I feel right now will be with me for a lifetime. <laughs> I just am so angry. This is one of those stories that has to be told. It has to be shared. People have to be talking about this because if they're talking about it, then maybe The truth can come out. Maybe we can find Angela, however that might be. But we can't do that if this story dies. 
So Ellie said, you know, you maybe if you're not okay, you're not going to go knock on doors. Maybe you could start by talking with police and helping their investigation. And he said, no, he's not going to talk to the police. She told him that he could have hired a PI to look for her instead of spending the money on a criminal defense attorney to save himself, which I thought was a good point. He said Angela was the one that left and he didn't feel the need to chase her. But there's a difference between feeling the need to chase somebody and understanding what happened and where she went. Like, I can get if he really did think that she ran off, like, with some other man or whatever and, like, left him, like, not wanting to chase after her and, like, try to get her back. Like, I understand that. But Mm -hmm. wouldn't you at least want to know who she's with and where she went and, like, is she okay? And you're assuming a whole lot of stuff, you know? If she really, like, ran off with a friend and I'm the husband, I would be so worried about her, A. But then if I'm not doing anything to, like, try and find her, you know, I'm I'm not knocking on doors or whatever, I'm going to be very nervous that they're looking at me. Yeah, which is why he got the defense attorney. How do we have attorney? Scott Peterson in prison and we got old Jeff Green out here, you know? That's how. Because they found her body. Mm. Yeah. Also, it's so outside of her personality to go anywhere alone. She was afraid to drive. She didn't know many people. Ellie's like, who's this friend that she ran off with? She didn't have any friends. And he's like, I don't know. She had this a friend. And she's like, no, she didn't. She had no friends. She had no friends. So Ellie worked with Michelle. And together, they put together a list of questions to ask Jeff. Michelle basically created a flowchart for Ellie of what to say, depending on, like, what his answer to that question was. I'd love to see that flowchart. wonder if it <laughs> resembles any of yours. It's probably much better than mine. Does it have glitter gel pen? <laughs> okay, in that instance, it is worse than mine. <laughs> they didn't want him to be able to get anything past them this time. So Ellie started making the phone calls, and she recorded every single one of them. Yeah. And by the way, like I said before, you can listen to them on Michelle's TikTok account, which is at Mish Guo, that's M-I-S-H-G-U-O, as well as clips that were shared with the Voices for Justice podcast, who did three episodes on this case in season two. Jeff continued to stonewall Ellie at every turn, but one time she got a very strange answer from him. She asked him if she's alive How is she? Because now Jeff's on this whole like, I think she's alive because there were no ashes in the urn. So she asked him if she's alive, how is she affording to live? And Jeff said his first thought was that she has a friend. And then he said, this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, I feel like Ellie would know if it wasn't the first time. Right. She had no idea what he was talking about. And she asked him to explain. And he said, that's a story for another time basically. When is there a better time to talk about my mom's disappearance than when my mom's disappeared? Right. So he says that he thinks that maybe she pulled a scam on him. Like maybe it was her that took the money for the cremation. Like she set that whole thing up. And I'm like, yeah, quite a scam. Here's some money for my wife's cremation. No, I don't need to actually see the body person on the phone. I totally believe you. Like, yeah, anybody so could pull that to scam. Get yeah, <laughs> I mean, also, she would maybe ask for more money. <laughs> so after several phone calls with Jeff dodging and deflecting, Ellie's patience is running out. He'd gone back and forth. She's alive. She's dead. She's alive. She's dead. Ellie couldn't take it anymore. 
And you can hear in these phone calls as they progress from Ellie like tiptoeing around certain things, trying to be as respectful as possible, trying not to like push him away, to her just straight up asking him the tough questions. (gasps) She's like, I don't believe you. I'm doubting your story. Like, why can't you tell me about this and this and this? She confronts him about not being able to tell her anything about the phone call that was telling him that Angela was dead or the guy with the $1,500 in the urn. And he's like, I was really busy at that particular time, so I didn't worry about it. I can't get over that. I know. How busy could you be? He said he knew information would come in a different way. And I'm like, (laughs) what "What do you mean information would come in a different way? So, okay, let's give him a pass on the phone call. He's so busy. Oh, your wife is dead. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. I'm very busy right now. Okay. Well, we're going to cremate her. Okay. So then the guy shows up for the 1500 and you're not like, hey, dude, can we sit and chat about my wife's death? And like, let me ask a few questions. Like, where did she die? And how did she die? Like, before you cremate her, maybe let's make sure that this was a stroke and like you, strange man, didn't murder her or something. Yeah. So then Ellie confronts him about the defense attorney. Like, why did you get this defense attorney? And then she asks him, how did he pick his attorney? And she says on the phone call to him that knowing him, she would assume that he would do his due diligence and research and find the exact right attorney. And Jeff says he doesn't really know what she's getting at. And she says, well, I happen to know that your defense attorney specializes in involuntary manslaughter. Uh... I feel like that's Googleable. Does he not think that that's not going to be a good look? He made up a story about an ambush in a grocery store and then said that she died over the phone. Yeah. So no, never mind. Never mind. And Jeff said that this lawyer just happened to show up on several lists of top defense attorneys in the area, and that's how he picked his attorney. Listen, bro, I'm not going to go get an attorney because I robbed somebody that specializes in DUIs. You know, like. Oh, that was his other specialty. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. DUIs and involuntary manslaughter. (laughs) Have you ever seen the commercials for the Texas Lawhawk? No. What? No. The Texas Lawhawk? No. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. Everyone stop what you're doing. No. (laughs) Finish this episode, but then when you're done, Google the Texas Lawhawk. And it's like these. Yes. And it's this guy. He, like, comes out on, like, a motorcycle in flames, and he's like, the Texas Lawhawk. And he's like yelling. And I thought they were fake, oh but God. I think they're real. Oh, my God. So Ellie confronted him about how he lied to her when he told her that the death certificate was at home, when he knew very well there was no death certificate at home. And Jeff said that he wasn't lying. He just didn't have a story that was complete yet. But he literally said, I have the death certificate at home, which was a lie. Yeah. Like he lied. So Ellie thinks something happened in those four days after she was kicked out of the house before Jeff came to her with a story about the grocery store parking lot ambush. And police still can't say if a crime was even committed or not. Uh, why? I can. In my, <laughs> in my personal opinion. In my opinion. Ellie is just as frustrated with her dad. She says there's no chance of a relationship anymore, and she decided to go public about it. And the rest of Jeff's family turned their back on her as well. But Michelle and Ellie have gotten super close, and they continue to try and raise awareness about Angela's disappearance. 
And their hope is that by continuing to spread the information and tell the story, that someone who knows something will come forward. So anyone with information about Angela Green's disappearance is encouraged to call Prairie Village Police at 913-642-6868 or contact the Anonymous Crime Stoppers Tips Hotline at 816-474-TIPS. And we will have both of those phone numbers in the show notes. And if you have information and just don't think it's valuable, you just never know what will turn out to be the missing piece. So if you know anything at all, please submit a tip or call the Prairie Village Police. And that's the story of the disappearance of Angela Green. Man, Ellie girl, shouts to you. All right, Mogab, you want to get these shout outs started? Never wanted to do oh, anything wait, more. Before we give the shout outs, if you would like a shout out of your own, join our Patreon. Every level gets a shout out and our yeah, undying be- gratitude and all the other perks we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Sign up. You could also be famous adjacent. Yeah. Everybody that we're about to say right now, famous adjacent. <laughs> I'm going to love that. I'm going <laughs> to run that into the ground. Major shouts! Major shouts. Let's get into it. Katie Denton, major shout, sister. Thank you so much. And I quote, Kristen's reason for living in Mogab's best friend, Leslie, and her reluctant husband, Sean. Thank you, Is Leslie. there no character limit on this <laughs> form? Mary, that was, you set that up. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie. Major shouts, Ashley Benavidez. Thank you so much, Kelly Z. Chris Stanley. Andy St. Amand. Jillian. I appreciate Jilly hyphen in the spelling or the enunciation. Thank you, Kelly Bear, the biggest fan of this most awesome podcast. Kelly Bear, you are now famous adjacent. (laughs) Yeah. Does anyone want to come for that title? (laughs) Ginny B. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tara. Tandy. Thank you, Erin L. Oh, I love that name. Mm. Kinsey Thompson. Thank you, JC. And last but not least, Renee Bosworth. What a, I love that last name, too. Thank you so much, everybody. And if you have not heard your shout out yet, we have several that we are making our way through this list. So it's going to come up soon. Thank you so much. Hey, peeps and creeps. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate it. We love when you follow us on social media. So catch us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Creepers Pod. If you're not following my personal Instagram, let me just plug that real quick at the Mogap. Mine is at Kristen Will underscore and you could be one of my 201 followers. (laughs) Make us famous adjacent, please. (laughs) For crying out loud. Do the Lord's work. The Lord's work. And you can email us any case suggestions, feedback, or any foundation or charity that you'd love for us to support at creeperspod at gmail.com. Tell all your friends about the podcast. Let them know. That's an awesome way to help us grow if you'd like to help us out. And a huge thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are up to 250. 250. They help us out in such a big way. So if you liked this episode and you have an iPhone, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. And be sure to follow or subscribe to True Crime Creepers so you'll have our next episode as soon as it drops when I'll tell Mogab another wild story. Bye, peeps and creeps. <laughs>